Welcome to another episode of Inside City Hall, where we tell you the inner workings of how your community operates. Today, I am joined by Ryan Kersey. He is the head of code enforcement for Oregon City. Ryan, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you. So to get right to it, code enforcement, I mean, on the surface, it sounds like, you know, it, we know what it covers, but really the responsibilities of what you and your staff oversee is pretty expansive. Correct. Yeah, we handled everything from neighborhood complaints all the way to abandoned vehicles, um, lost and found dogs, tree permits. I mean, it's pretty expansive when you look at, you know, you get into the neighborhoods themselves, all sorts of things, you know. That's one of the really interesting things I think about your department is because you're kind of a hybrid. You're like part law enforcement, but also part community development because the things that you oversee fall under both of those umbrellas. So how, how exactly does that work in terms of, of what you focus on and, and, and how you do your job? Yeah, so right now we're pretty much um, looking at complaint-driven things. So we've tried to be more expansive in, you know, you get a complaint about maybe a lot of scattered rubbish on, uh, rubbish on a property. You come back to that property, you're seeing multiple homes or maybe just a couple on your way in and out of that neighborhood that are in the same condition. We're going to try to address all those things. Be a little more proactive on that. Our biggest thing is education. We can educate people from the enforcement side of things with abandoned vehicles, more of the public safety aspect, but also you get down to tree permits, vegetation maintenance, things like that where people don't know some of these things. So it's our job to make sure that they're in compliance instead of being heavy-handed in enforcement-wise. And, and that's a thing that, that people sometimes don't necessarily realize until they have an interaction is you guys aren't just driving around out there looking to hand out tickets. The goal is to improve quality of life for everybody in the community, not you know, hand out pieces of paper. Yeah, it's the neighborhood livability overall. And I think, you know, the hardest part is nobody gets the city code book, you know, when they buy their house or, <laughs> or rent or anything like that. They don't get the city code book and go, what do I need to follow? So it's our job to approach it as... What if this was our neighborhood? What if we were the person living at this property? How would we want to be approached? How would we want to be educated as to what the rules are and just kind of bring them into that voluntary compliance? So, Probably one of the most visible aspects of what your team works on is parking and parking enforcement in the community. Obviously, parking can sometimes be a contentious issue in, in any community. Um, what is something that that a lot of people not necessarily know that they're in violation of? What, what is the most common thing that you're finding people uh, running afoul of the regulations? I think it really comes down to what area of town and to what, you know, we help with education on for parking. The biggest thing, some neighborhoods, they have no garages. They don't have a lot of street, you know, frontage to park their vehicles. You obviously are going to have multiple vehicles parking at a single house. So really bringing them into the idea of, you can't store your vehicles on the street, you know, for a month at a time, those things. Other areas around schools, you have parking problems, you know, other areas through downtown, there's different parking problems. So it's kind of a big variety. But one of the other things is um, trailers in the neighborhood, utility trailers, recreational vehicles, oh, wow, yeah. you know, the ordinance that we have on file is, you know, really restrictive to not having any of that parked on there. So we try to work with everybody. Obviously, people are going to bring RV trailers home to unload them, to clean them, you know, before they put them away to storage, those things. So really working with them instead of being on the enforcement side, we can be on the education side and, you know, get them to understand why it's there and 
hopefully prevent future problems for that parking. In, in addition to the education side of things, it also sounds like your team really tries to, you know, walk that line in terms of, you know, you've, you've got a code, but sometimes things aren't always black and white. So you try to, you know, follow the spirit of the law and, and again, make everything easier for the residents, correct? Yeah, the interpretation is hard. You know, the, the printed code is black and white. Hey, these things have to be followed. If it's reasonable, if it's reasonable for, you know, people to do this on an everyday basis, we'll work with them on it, you know. And so sometimes you're in that position, maybe your car breaks down or something happens to a trailer, it's broken. Instead of us just going out and writing a whole bunch of tickets to it, we can contact the owner and say, what happened? You know, how is this going to be fixed? We'll work with you on it. Because our goal is not to write a bunch of tickets to it. Our goal is to get it properly back stored on their property or get them to move it off the street back to their storage unit area. So overall, the biggest thing is really to look at the circumstances around it too. How many calls are you dealing with? Because I I know that um, code enforcement just recently got a little bump in staff and we'll go more to that. But I mean, you've been really busy. We have. uh, And I think it's the just the aspect of you know, we're taking everything. Any call that comes in concern-wise, we're going to go out and respond to it. You know, some of the things that, as you mentioned before, it kind of overlaps between different departments. It could be overlap with public works in the street department. It could overlap with the police, planning, engineering, sidewalk complaints, those kind of things. So we kind of everybody help everybody out with it. But we're going to go out and get a, the initial eyes on it, see what's wrong, get the first initial contact going, and try to get them into the right if it's a sidewalk, it's a permit process just to make sure they get the repairs done properly, those kind of things. And so we've really expanded, you know, not only just how much we're available or I guess how many days a week we're available, but also just allowing people to call in, send in emails, go to the city website, report their concerns. All that stuff coming in gives people a lot of, you know, ability to just report something when they're out for their walk at night. You know, they see something, hey, these branches are blocking the sidewalk. We have to duck underneath them, you know. Those simple things can now easily be reported online via the app, those things. So we, we see a bump in that as well. But I think it's also the community understands, hey, if we report something, they're going to come out and respond to it. And so, you know, we, we enjoy that. And I hope that makes the neighborhood better because we're going out there and addressing those problems. One of the things you touched on was actually increasing the number of days that that you're able to respond. Um, that was something that came out of the budget process back uh, during the spring. Feels like yesterday, but mm-hmm. time flies. Um, that you are now actually a seven day responsive department. We are, yeah. So we're working regular business hours about eight a.m. to six p.m. seven days a week. Uh, we try to have at least one staff person on. Sometimes on the weekends, that staff person can be on the field. There's not going to be somebody in the office. So we don't have the office staff seven days a week, but at least we have somebody. So if we do get those online complaints or things come in through dispatch or via phone, we can at least respond to the voicemails and such. And and you don't have to wait till Monday. Then a lot of times people are home on the weekend so they can make that phone call and go, what is this about? You know, How can I get this taken care of? Or I'm seeing this problem in my neighborhood. Is it something you can help with? What do you think is probably the most common code enforcement issue out there? What, what's the number one call that you get? I think it's seasonal. Um, oh, that makes sense. So vegetation, you start getting, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest, the vegetation starts to grow spring, summertime. And then, of course, it dries out super fast. And then all of a sudden we have a fire hazard sometimes on some of these properties. So vegetation is kind of that, you know, 
March through July. And then the rest of the year, it kind of comes down to different noise complaints in the neighborhood, whether it be barking dogs. We get a lot of abandoned vehicles for some reason around the city, all across the whole city. So that's another one that we get a lot of calls on. But I think overall, probably vegetation is one of our highest. Now, these abandoned vehicles, are they being abandoned by people in the neighborhood or are they just being, are these like stolen cars that are being dropped off by somebody who ripped them off in a completely different community? Yeah, it's a combination. You know, we've seen a lot of things where vehicles are dumped for one reason or another. We've seen people that maybe they're just trying to, you know, leave a house and they'll dump a car down the street. Those kind of, it's just a lot of weird circumstances, but if they're registered local and we can contact somebody, then we'll work on getting them, you know, to get the vehicle properly put into a garage or something like that. So it doesn't keep them in violation. Just for sake of dis- discussion, you you have an abandoned vehicle, you find the owner, you reach out, they're not very responsive. What What is the next step that code enforcement can take to try to alleviate it for the neighbors who are dealing with the issue? Yeah, so we'll come out initially and try to contact a lo- you know somebody local. Um, if, that, if not, then obviously we'll start a citation process. And then the city ordinance really requires us to give it five business days once we put one of those, you know, super high-vis orange stickers on it (laughs) saying, hey, your vehicle has been noted as abandoned. You have five business days to remove it. So in total that, you know, we can't use the weekends at all per our code. So it's like five business days. So, yeah, you'll get about a week period until we can actually come back and tow it. During that time, obviously, we'll send, uh, you know, mail out to the registered owners, any lien holders, and say, hey, if you have any interest in this, you know, we're going to be removing it. And sometimes we get those... Those lien holders, the banks will call up and go, oh, yeah, we're actually looking for that. And so they'll come and tow it. Oh, wow. You know, so it's it's kind of a it's a really interesting topic when you start looking at it as to how did this car from Jervis show up in Oregon <laughs> City? Or, you know, not yeah. not that we get those all the time, but it's just it's not it's not a lot of local people that are, that are bringing their cars here. So how often is it an issue where you, you know, happen to cross an abandoned vehicle and can't find anybody that's responsible for it? Uh, it's probably 50, 50. Oh, really? You know, that a, lot, often? a lot of them get moved. And then the other half of them that we do have to tow and then they'll, you know, I don't know if they just, they're not getting their mail. They haven't updated their registration for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden they come back to get their car and it's gone, but it, maybe it's been two weeks since they parked it there. So we, we don't know. And then obviously we have a release process for that, which is easy to walk through and get them their vehicle back. But it's just, it's interesting to see how those things kind of come about because you don't you don't normally expect for somebody to just be like, oh, I'm just going to put my vehicle here and I'll come back in a month and <laughs> you know see see where it's at. Yeah, I, I would think that would make me a little paranoid to do that, but mm-hmm. maybe that's just me. Um, when it comes to uh, talking about um, the 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 plants and so forth, landscaping, I I know we can go into this and really dive into detail. So ten thousand foot level when it comes to landscaping and grass and trees and so forth. What, what are the basic things that a, a homeowner or a resident need to know? Just basic maintenance stuff to ensure that they're maintaining compliance. Yeah, ba- basic level for vegetation compliance in the city is, you know, it has to be grass and weeds under six inches in height. So that's a pretty, I mean, six inches is a lot to look at for, you know, vegetation that's just overgrown. But we also have vacant properties that, you know, the vegetation grows fast. Then when it comes to like blackberries and some of those things, we have to make sure that those have a buffer. And those are those are in the code for like a fire hazard situation. So buffer off the property lines of about 10 feet and stuff. Some property owners, when they get our notices, they'll choose to just mow down the whole property. 
Um, if there's a structure on it, a house that people are living in, sometimes they just need a little extra effort. And so our staff has gone through and found like maybe the resident doesn't have the means or the ability to, do, you know, take care of the problem. So they'll reach out. We've reached out to several community groups and organizations that have helped people that are in their community to bring that property into compliance. So there are options out there. There's no like identified things. You know, the city doesn't have a crew to go out and just, <laughs> you know, mow everybody's lawn and stuff and bring it into compliance. But the people that truly need the help, we've been able to find resources for. So that's that's huge. Um, and, and again, just I want to point out that this is generally a complaint driven system. So it's not like your team's out there driving around with a tape measure or a ruler. It's like, oh, this is, you know, six and a quarter. We're yeah. going to have to cite them. This is if you've got a, a problem property that neighbors are, are mm-hmm. reporting. Yeah. So that's where the majority of our complaints come from is just obviously the neighbors themselves because we're not driving through the neighborhoods every day. So something that they may see and all of a sudden it becomes a problem. They they actually provide a lot of information because maybe they're like, oh, the people moved out three months ago. And we haven't seen anybody. So that kind of gives us an idea of like maybe we need to start to get a holding the bank uh, or getting a hold of the bank and things like that to find out what the status of the property is. Some of the other things is that the commission wants to be a little more proactive on things. They don't want us going, like you said, and checking everybody's <laughs> status. But the nice part is, is on the way into that neighborhood, if we do see something that's similar, we'll come back and address that when we're done before we leave the neighborhood. Just that way we're not, you know, individually pointing people out, but at the same time, you know, Somebody says, oh, you address this property, but not this one. And you guys had to drive right by it, you know, three times when you came to check the property. So we just want to make sure that we're we're not, you know, scoping and bringing everything into, you know, our enforcement, you know, routine. But at the same time, we're taking care of those bigger problems. You really have to walk a tightrope, it seems, because on the one hand, you want to respect the rights and the wishes of the residents who are trying to maintain a, a certain mm-hmm. standard of quality of life. But at the same time, respecting the wishes of the other residents. So, I mean, that, that's that got to be a tough balance mm-hmm. to really walk every day. Yeah, I'm glad it's not my job. <laughs> but another thing that you brought up that I, I find interesting is, I, I never really thought about this, but it sounds like there's a really large component of what your team does that's more investigative and not out there enforcing the codes, but really just investigating, trying to find out who owns what or however. So, I mean, a lot of this is, you know, kind of, sitting there researching things, it would seem. Yeah, we do a lot of research. Obviously, being the enforcement tool in the city, we're not the certified professional in planning and zoning and engineering and things like that. So we'll have the code and what's required, but we'll utilize our resources in those other departments to say, okay, here's the complaint we got. We've gone out, we've taken these photos. We see that it's you know visually in violation that we can tell according to our ordinance. How much more do we need on this? You know, what other things can you help with knowing more about the zoning just to make sure that we're following everything appropriately? So then it's looking at, okay, the house isn't occupied. How do we we locate an owner? How do we locate somebody that's responsible for it? And at the same time, then the neighbors are saying, what are you guys doing? You, You know, you were out here a week ago. We haven't seen any change. And so making sure that we communicate the steps that we're taking while we're taking them is really important to us too, because then the neighbors know like, oh yeah, the city came out, they took their photos, they saw the violations. Now they're following up with the bank and these are the you know steps they're going to take to bring them into compliance. And if not, then we have to go through our municipal court and that takes more time as well to get that enforcement through there. Another issue that probably seems to be contentious 
no matter what community you happen to be looking at, it's barking dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, you've got you know people who get upset because some somebody's dog or dogs are barking endlessly, and then other people will say like, well, dogs bark. It's what they do. First off, what is the regulation when it comes to barking animals and, and nuisance animals? And what, as a department, are you able to do about that when you discover something that's in violation? So the ordinance, we treat it like a reasonable person ordinance. Obviously, people that have owned dogs, you let your dog out into the yard, they find something to bark at, you correct them, the barking stops. Sometimes people either have a like a doggy door or another like a garage room they can go into and back and forth. So the dogs have the ability to come out more often they get bored, people are at work, you know, and then all of a sudden the dog's barking for 20, 30 minutes at a time. That starts to get into where it's going to annoy and bother some of the neighbors around them. That's when we generally get the complaint. The ordinance is, you know, very vague on the exact, you know, there's not like, hey, at nine minutes it has to do yeah. that. So we kind of we kind of utilize, you know, the we're not a dog licensing agency. Um, Clackamas County is our dog licensing agency, and they kind of use a 10 to 15 minute rule of continuous barking. So we kind of use that same standard that they use until it gets to that violation point. So if we do get a complaint, we always go out there ourselves and verify it. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're hearing the same thing the neighbor's hearing when they call and report this. And at the same time, then we can also then work with the owner, get them in touch with some resources, kind of point them towards how to get some corrective actions through their veterinarian or some dog trainers themselves. But then also, you know, trying to see if the neighbors can communicate with each other because sometimes the neighbors don't talk or haven't talked, but if they know, you know, a lot of times dog owners, they're pretty respectful on, gosh, I don't want my dog to annoy anybody or bother somebody, you know? And so if they know about it, then they can take more corrective action. So we kind of, it's almost like a mediation of points on some of these as well. And then some, you know, they, you know, end up going to the enforcement process because we've, tried everything. We try to send information letters out right after we go out and get the first complaint. So the dog barking does kind of go and it, you know, here in our, in our area, it's one of those things where, you know, you get cooler evenings or things like that, especially when it's warm out, people are going to leave their windows open during the day and at night. And so you hear more things, you know, you can, you can hear things that you don't normally hear during the day at night. So, so as we wrap things up today, um, I think probably the most uh, helpful thing we can do is, Tell listeners the multiple ways that they can get in touch with code enforcement because you've really made it easy to report any issues, ask any questions, and so forth. Yeah, so if people are handy with their mobile phones, we have an app. We have the MyOC app that they can download. makes it super simple if they like to walk or walk their dog and they're around the neighborhood. They see things, they can pull it up, make a report, send in a photo, all those great things. You can also do the same stuff um, online through your phone, tablets, computers, all that good stuff. People still use those occasionally? They do. They do. <laughs> um, and then they can file those reports with us. And we can get right back to them, which is nice. Um, the other thing is, is they can use, uh, we have a generalized email that's on our code enforcement page here. So it's just a general email box. So if people aren't comfortable with some of the online reporting systems, they can use that email to send in the report. And of course, then we also have the good old phone that you can call right up and report your violation or even ask questions like, hey, is this a violation or is this something you can help with? And then, of course, we're open to the public Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. People can walk right in, you know, check in with us, get information on ordinances, 
ask questions or file their concerns. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, you're located in with the police department over at the Libke Public Safety Building. We are. Um, phone number there, 503-905-3665. Mm-hmm. Uh, website, you can just go to ORCity. Got to have the W's. It has something to do with technology. I don't understand. The three W's dot ORCity.org. And you can go to departments and code enforcement or just search it up and we'll bring it up. And you can ask, uh, have any questions answered there. Ask any questions. Contact them multiple ways and get your problems taken care of. We're here to help. Ryan, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another edition of Inside City Hall. We'll speak with you next time.